0: Good morning, Rob.
1: Good morning, Dave.
0: We are here to do our Hot Take Review. It is quarter past eight in the morning on a <laughs> Sunday morning in Melbourne and Sydney. We have just watched Wild Blue Yonder, and we're here to do our Doctor Who show Hot Take Review. You ready for this one, Rob?
1: I am ready for this, Dave. Yes, it might be a bit croaky, but I am ready.
0: Can I Can I just say before we dive in, I've now listened to quite a few hot take reviews of uh, the star beast and was very impressed by them i think there was some really healthy discussion debate about some of the issues in that mm. and um and it didn't sort of dive into the it didn't go into either extremes at either end so it was really really positive let's see if we can keep that going rob before we go into spoiler territory opening statement from you
1: Opening statement from me, Dave, I I can't lie and say, oh, yes, this is the episode I envisaged, you know, in terms of the actual plot, because I'm I'm not clairvoyant. But I can say, oh, yes, this is the episode I envisaged in terms of we're on a spaceship and weird stuff happens. That's what I was anticipating in this episode, and that's what happened. Ta-da!
0: I will claim a small amount of clairvoyancy, Uh, because last night I put out a bit of a tweet with some sort of, you know, tongue-in-cheek things about what could be in this episode. But the one that I did predict was it was going to be a darker-style RTD, and I used the words in the style of Midnight. Right. And I reckon that wasn't pretty far
1: off. Yeah, I mean, we've got a sort of a two-hander here, or maybe you could call it a (laughs) (laughs) four-hander, if you double them up. Uh, Oh, is that spoilers? I don't know. But, yeah, uh, I mean, Midnight has a slightly bigger cast but not much bigger so there are similar vibes
0: yeah and, and i think that that is it a base under siege if the phone call's coming from inside yeah a base being siege from the inside I, I think whatever whatever you call that genre i think that there are parallels rob did you enjoy wild blue yonder
1: i did dave i did
0: so did i so did i so mm-hmm. let's keep going before we do spoilers rob your word of the week
1: I had a lot of fun with this one, Dave, because my word of the week is weak.
0: Is that spelt with an A or an E?
1: I knew you'd ask that. It is with an E. (laughs) Double E, in fact.
0: That's good. Well, I have to write it down, so I want to make sure I've got it correct. (laughs) (laughs) My word of the week is problem. Okay. Right, well, the spoiler curtain is now down. Rob, what would you like to talk about first?
1: Dave, I think we've got to kick off with Isaac Newton. We have an opening sequence here, which is a a bit of comedy, and it's nicely played as a little skit. This could have almost been the Children in Need skit. You know, it's in that sort of vein. Yes. I I guess we can't go past commenting, though, that they race-swapped Isaac Newton. And I don't know if it's one of those things where RTD is just trying to troll parts of the audience. I know this fella was in It's a Sin, Maybe they're just mates and Russell likes using him. Or was it an actual diversity and inclusion thing? Because that's becoming more of a thing in entertainment. I mean, you look at the Academy Awards now, they've got representation and inclusion standards. I don't know the answer to this. Could it be all three things? I I don't want to labour the point because it's just a tiny, funny skit at the start, like I said. But it's there on screen to be commented on, so comment made.
0: Yeah, I was a little bit surprised when we opened in... uh 17th century apple orchard, because yes. of what we were expecting. I thought, oh, what? maybe he's completely pulled the uh, the rug out from under us with what yeah, we expected. Yeah. And I thought, okay, well, and, and and obviously it turned out to just be a little skit. Look, I also sort of had the moment of, oh, he's he's cast a different um raced actor for the for the part of like, ours. Know, I thought, look, look for something like this, I I think it's pretty harmless. Like I still I still quite like the idea of you know watching those old BBC dramas where you you look at a character on screen, then you go and look at the portrait of them from 100 years ago and go, wow, they really made that person look like that person.
1: Oh, um, or like when you watch Gettysburg, the, the movie Gettysburg, and at the end it shows the actor and the real person. It's like,
0: oh, my God. Yeah, I, I always really like that. that. That's kind of my preferred style. But, but you know, I, I don't mind, for example, you know, Mary, Queen of Scots, they had a slightly more diverse court in, in Edinburgh than perhaps really would have been the case and i don't mm-hmm. care about that i don't really care about this you know as you say it was it was a bit of a sketch so look um but but I, but those thoughts did go through my mind as i saw it uh, along with the fact that um this didn't have the fourth doctor going up a tree and explaining gravity to newton after lunch after lunch um so i'm sure there are a lot of fans who are also going to be like no that's not how it happened um <laughs> and, and, and again look i won't lie i did think that
1: when things like that happen, I just think it adds to this idea that the Doctor is a bit of a bullsh**, basically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm okay with that.
0: Yeah, so look, the sketch happened. Uh, I don't know if I've missed the relevance of it to the episode. Um, they must have spent a bit of money going out and doing some location filming. Was that just, a, hey kids, we've got so much money, we can spend it on just stuff that we don't even have to spend it on now? Or, or was it was it done just to do the Gravity Mavity... Joke for the rest of the story. Um, is that going to yeah. carry on for the next twenty years? I don't know.
1: As as a catchphrase, I don't think it's a particularly good one. You know, <laughs> <laughs> no people are going to be going around saying navity all the time now.
0: Yeah, so look, it was weird. It was fun. It was what it was.
1: Yeah. Alrighty. Also, going into the episode, Dave, there was a lot of speculation. There was speculation that John Sim was going to be playing the master in this. Because I think it, I think it even popped up in an IMDb entry, and people were like, "Oh my God, the big secret is John Sim's in this." There was also a strong rumor that Matt Smith and Peter Capaldi were going to be in this, playing, quotation marks, evil versions of themselves. I thought, that's interesting. That's even plausible. We have a multi-doctor adventure that's not really the doctors. I could even see how that would bring someone like Capaldi back, who's always reticent about returning to the role. He could come back because he's not actually playing the role. I can even see how it would fit into the episode. These creatures could morph into those doctors. But, of course, that didn't happen.
0: No, and, and now that we're writing that episode, you could even have a sort of a 20-second thing of, you know, oh, I'm now Peter Davison, oh, I've got this wrong, I'm now older than I should be or something. You know, you can, you can totally say, but that didn't happen. Uh, look, no, no, there were, there were, there were wild, wild rumours out there about what was going to happen. I'm going to be interested to see, I, I suspect not so much on the podcast reviews, but in the Twitter reactions, if there are people who are like, well, it was good but it wasn't as good as the one I imagined. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I, I, I had multiple doctors and companions from the past fighting Daleks and Cybermen and, you know, the Wirren or something, you know. Yeah. Uh, so so it didn't it didn't happen. Um Let's talk big picture. Let's talk about this episode. Sure. This was intense. I did look at the timer a couple of times, but it wasn't in in a sense of okay, I get it, you know, how much longer if this is there to go? It was sort of like, how much longer do I have to sort of stay here with my heart racing? <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. How, how much longer before I get out of this one? Because I, I did find I was sitting, you know, a little bit forward in the seat and the heart was just a little bit excited. And, and I, I, I felt pretty much from the moment the TARDIS disappeared a, a proper degree of tension.
1: Yes, and the TARDIS disappearing also took the sonic screwdriver with it. And last hot take, in fact, I made the comment we should be getting away from relying on the sonic screwdriver, not just because it was radically overpowered in that previous special, but just in general. Uh, you know, all, all through New Who, it's been a magic wand that gets leaned on far too often. I don't like it. You know, it, it's a tool that's become incredibly fetishized by swathes of fandom. And I love the fact it was jettisoned here along with the TARDIS, and you're right – all of that just ratcheted up the tension. They're on this weird spaceship. <laughs> All hope of escaping is gone, <laughs> or at least we think it's gone. It's the Hads that's probably kicked into action. I thought that was a nice, um, a nice touch. It was tense.
0: And, and what what I'm just sort of realising as well is that the Star Beast, as we said, was a very entertaining but very light and sort of fun episode. Mm. Mm. And 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 so we started with a skit that was very much of that tone. We then got the whole little bit about the TARDIS kicking them out and the flames and and the sonic screwdriver and all the rest of it. And and I wonder if that was partly all just to prevent uh, whiplash in the audience because you're sort of going, rather than just jumping from fun and entertainment to, oh, my God, this is tense, in seconds, we did sort of have that, oh, look, it's fun and entertaining, and, oh, here's a few games with the TARDIS, and, oh, it's now getting a bit serious. Oh, it's serious now. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that was a deliberate sort of just easing the casual audience in.
1: Yeah, I I think so. Especially people who might be starting with this episode, perhaps.
0: Yeah, um, visually the spaceship was remarkable, spectacular. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know how much of that was a set, whether that was a location. I'm sure we'll learn that as we go on. Um, But it looked fantastic. Um, Not quite convinced by the Marvin the Android robot, um, (laughs) but it did what it had to do.
1: I thought he'd escaped from the smile episode. I thought it was an emoji bot with a different head.
0: Oh, yeah, that was a bit of that as well. Yeah, know, I was thinking more on um, movie hitchhikers, Marvin. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Talking of the plot, Dave, though, broadly I, I really like this because sometimes we get villains who aren't well-defined and that works great. I think Eternals are kind of like that. We know a bit about Eternals, but we don't know a lot about Eternals. And here, it's just, what what are these things on the edge of the universe? Not knowing quite what they are is part of the whole vibe, and I really liked that. I mean, it would get old fast if every week we didn't know much about our villains, and it was always, ah, he's just some guy, (laughs) yeah, that's just something, you know, (laughs) because it is shorthand to not having to do a lot of work. But there are times like this where it just really adds to the mystery and it's great. I think it unraveled well and we learned their sort of capabilities in real time with the Doctor and Donna. That was cool.
0: Yeah, no, I I absolutely agree. And In in fact, last week... I listened to the flight through entirety episode about Face the Raven, and and they make the point there that one of the things where that episode succeeds is that nobody sits down and talks about the Raven as oh well, this is actually an entity from the planet Quantos and this is what you know this is what it does, <laughs> and, and and I think that this is the same example here. I think if there had been a moment of oh I've heard of you, you're from Time Lord mythology and you come from the dimension, like that 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 would have detracted from it, and the the, the fact that we don't know what these things are is interesting and different and does things make things more tense and at one point about probably about 40 minutes into the episode I did write down here what is the threat not because I was sitting there going oh for god's sake what's the threat here who cares Mm -hmm. Um, I was feeling threatened but I didn't know quite what the threat was and I still don't quite know what the threat was. Is, is is the threat that they were going to be eaten? Is the threat that they were going to be abandoned? Is the threat... Uh, I, or, or some combination. And there was this sort of brief moment of if they get access to transport, they can go and be wicked across the universe or something. I, I didn't really get that. Um, and I didn't really care that much. But I, I, I did sit there for a couple of moments and sort of go... I'm not quite sure why I'm scared of these things.
1: Okay. Well, let's try and unravel it in real time. I'll, I'll try and unravel it in my head here. The captain of the ship knew they were becoming like her, and therefore if they knew what she knew, they could take over the ship. So she killed herself, which cut off the link to her brain. There it is. I guess because the doctor and Donna started reconfiguring the ship and showing they knew how to use the ship and knew how to bring it back online these creatures appear and think these these people are worth copying we'll know what they know and then we'll know how to reboot the ship and go back to our original plan so i don't know what the the end game is whether they would actually kill the doctor and donna after a while or whether just becoming them was enough to, to, to take over the ship or whether they would kill them so that they couldn't be stopped from taking over the ship. But again, I'm just working through this in real yeah, time. Yeah, no, no. So they,
0: the, the Doctor does say implicitly at one point that they, re- they reach a point where they are a 100% copy. Right. And that means they no longer... I, I think that means they no longer need the originals. There you go. And, okay. and the pilot killed itself before that point was reached, which is why they reverted
1: yeah, but it it doesn't really take away from the story. You still feel the threat, absolutely. whatever the threat is.
0: No, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I very rarely do this.
1: Okay, but I'm about to
0: praise Murray Gold
1: for being understated. For
0: being understated.
1: Bingo. Yeah.
0: I yeah I particularly in that, and look, he ramped it up a bit towards the end because he can't help himself. But, um, <laughs> I I was listening to his his score through this. like, this is. This is really good. I kind of wondered if he'd listened to um some of the Chibnall era and Siegel Akinola. I wonder if he'd maybe listen to him during the Chibnall era and go, "Ooh, this understated thing works." I should do this now and then. because <laughs> um, I thought this is this is really good. I was I was very impressed, and as you know, what I could jokingly call you know myself a Murray Gold hater. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, <laughs> I thought that was really impressive. So big kicks for me there
1: yeah well even going back to the first special when i watched it the second time with my wife there were several scenes where she said the music is not fitting this action at all you know she was really down on him in that episode i'll be curious to see what she says about this one when we watch it again
0: yes the final not the final final sequence the penultimate sequence when the doctor takes the wrong donna on board
1: oh yeah that was very tense
0: it was very tense did it happen for any reason other than just, I want to do this scene?
1: Oh, yeah, I, I think so. You know, at, at one point I was thinking, okay, he's clearly taken the wrong one. Are they going to blow up Donna and there has to be some kind of crisis averted there? And, and that becomes a thing, maybe even leading into the next episode we're at the edge of the universe or the, the start of creation or however they were describing it can something slightly magical or different to the ordinary happen out there and we could actually kill someone and bring them back i was wondering if they'd actually go there
0: yeah i thought maybe even if he goes back to save donna um the bad donna the alien donna whatever you want to call it isn't removed from the TARDIS and, you know, quickly turns into a blob of goo and floats into a ducting vent or something. And, oh my God, we've got this thing wandering around the TARDIS now. You know, right, I thought that yeah. that could happen. As it turned out, as it turned out, had that scene not happened, I don't think anything in the plot would have changed whatsoever, but it did give us the moment where I think Donna genuinely faced that, like, I'm dying in the moment. And that mm. was a really good piece of acting from Catherine Tate. Mm-hmm. I will say, however, I think that David Tennant gets the chocolates for subtle acting. I think the way that Tennant is able to delineate very, very subtly between Doctor and Alien Doctor, I think was extraordinary. And Catherine Tate did very well with a number of scenes here. And again, I say that as someone who's not a huge Catherine Tate fan, she did very well. I don't think she was able to quite do that. That, that tiniest bit of subtlety to let us know that it's not the real Donna in the way that Tennant could. And that's that's the difference between a very good actor and, in Tennant's case, an exceptionally good actor.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's something in the eyes, you know, because he wouldn't even be talking sometimes, just the way he was looking, and you're like, I, I know that look. that that That's, that's bad, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Hmm i got a couple more points up my sleeve before we get to Word of the Week and all that malarkey, Dave. Um, I need to bring it up. The Doctor's gay now. <laughs> it was a throwaway line about Isaac Newton being hot, but I think it's worth noting. I've seen people speculate that Shooty's Doctor will be played gay. I did wonder if this cuts its grass a bit or whether it's trying to be a bit of foreshadowing that it's possible. After a long time of the doctors being mostly asexual or, you know, having something for the ladies to suggest a gay doctor, it could be like at the end of the Capaldi era, where they started making multiple references to men regenerating into women. They even showed that on screen as well, before it actually happened with Capaldi regenerating into Whittaker. I'm just wondering if this is a subtle bit of foreshadowing, if it is true that Shooty's Doctor will be played that way.
0: Interesting. I heard the line as well and didn't take it nearly as much as you did, apparently. Okay. Um, Because last week we had the moment where he says, oh, I loved loved her or something. And he, ooh, ooh, I'd say things like that now. That sort of idea of the Doctor being a bit more open with his feelings and expressing them. And I just thought this was sort of another example of the 14th Doctor blurting out stuff like that mm-hmm. and i didn't necessarily take it as i thought isaac newton was hot and i'd like to have sex with him okay so much as donna's like he's hot and the doctor's like yeah i guess he was in in the way that we could have a conversation or i might say she was pretty hot and if you say that to me i'm like oh rob's ten gay now i'm just like no no rob rob has acknowledged that yes she is a very good looking man
1: Yes, yeah, I mean, you can absolutely have a man crush as a, as a straight man, absolutely, you know, it's just with the rumours of what the shooty doctor might be, I just wondered if it was foreshadowing, just trying to just smooth the way in, I, I don't
0: know. No, no, look, absolutely, that's that's an example of a line that was thrown out there, and, and the other option is that RTD is just like, this means nothing, but oh my god, it's going to cause some controversy, ha <laughs> <Yeah>. ha, <laughs>
1: exactly <laughs> that, be marvelous
0: yes uh, yes yes i noticed the line i uh, i didn't take it quite to the places you did but um what you said is not incredible not not unrealistic
1: no no also i wanted to bring up flux and the timeless child because far from retconning the Chibnall era which a bunch of fandom were convinced rtd was going to do you know basically oh rtd he knows doctor who <laughs> he's not going to let this nonsense stand RTD's basically leaned into it yes half the universe is gone and considering we lost a bunch of the universe in Legopolis, <laughs> how small is the universe now anyway uh and yes the timeless child thing is a thing absolutely it is look I noted
0: that as well and I also noted that because uh, we we spoke regularly about, hang on, did they destroy half the universe and no one noticed yeah. and nobody cared? Yeah. And so I thought, oh, they've written that for us, Rob. Um, <laughs> but I did also note, and, and again, I'm not a Chibnall hater, but I have to say this, RTD in a couple of throwaway lines not remotely related to Flux made me care about half the universe being destroyed far more effectively <laughs> than Chibnall did across episodes of Flux. So I, I, again, I think absolutely did Russell say no 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 flux happened it's a thing but also has confirmed in a way that Chibnall didn't that there were consequences to flux uh that perhaps flux didn't deliver or didn't really say as clearly as it could have and and RTD landed that and yeah like again this is just why he's such a good runner
1: yeah well the 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 doctor actually acknowledged it and acknowledged their part in it and felt bad for it whereas Jodie's like okay fam where are we off to next (laughs) It's like really yes um
0: and look final minor point from me I'm not quite sure how anyone could think wild blue yonder was anything other than a going to war song unless there's a version out there that isn't um the one I know which is the the, the anthem of the US Air Force because mm. um, it's pretty pretty clear what this <laughs> what they're doing about you know going down in flames and stuff so yeah um and you know the, I don't know that was that was a bit weird mm-hmm. um but you know maybe it's just to show that Donna is a bit of a eclectic sort of personality. Fair enough. Are we good for Words of the Week now, Rob?
1: Yes, we are, Dave.
0: Well, uh, look, I'll go first uh, this week okay. and say that my Word of the Week was problem, and this was because at the end of the episode, I thought that was a, that was an episode all about the Doctor and Donna having to solve a problem. I also looked at, down at a very, very empty page of what should have been notes and said, <laughs> I have a problem. <laughs> Very good. Um, fortunately, with your help, Rob, we've been able to sort of get to our limit. But I, I genuinely, so normally I end up with a good, you know, full page of scrawled notes at the end of a, 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 yeah, a an yeah. episode watch. This time, half the page was empty because I was so engrossed in the episode, and because, uh, like you know, there weren't lots of little. Oh, this we're, we're going here, now we're going here. No, it was one continuous flowing story. And there were long bits of just, we're just exploring a corridor now. Mm. And, and that's really tense and really interesting and it makes good viewing. It doesn't make for a good note. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought I had a problem, but we were fine. Uh, you said weak,
1: doubly e, weak, Rob. I did, Dave. Quite simply, this felt like a really solid but quirky episode of the week in a season of Doctor Who. And that's good and it's bad. <laughs> It's good because, duh, it's really great to have a really solid but quirky episode of the week in Doctor Who. But it's bad because, a quick reminder, everybody, this is the 60th anniversary. We're two episodes into the capital letters 60th anniversary of Doctor Who. And we've had a paper-thin rehash of a 1980 comic that didn't have as much story as the 1980 comic. And we've had an episode that was very good and intriguing, but just felt like a really solid episode in a much longer season. No more, no less. So we're now going to turn to the final week, and it's the Toy Maker, and it's chaos, and I'm sure that will be quite something. But is this the 60th anniversary people imagined?
0: That's a really good point. Something that we've been saying on social media over the last week since our Hot Take Review is... On one hand, we can assess. On one hand, we we're able to assess the Star Beast as a standalone episode, but there is going to be a second way to assess it when we have seen all three of the specials mm-hmm. and, and and see whether that was the first in a you know very diverse triptych of episodes, or whether everything's going to be like that. And, and you know, was it was it a good opener or all the rest of it? And I think the point you're making is a very very good one and one that we will come back to when we've got all three specials under our belt and we're doing our our look back at this mini-season.
1: Indeed. Just planting the flag in the sand now.
0: Absolutely. And with that golf course-like flag planted (laughs) in the sand, it's time to go to the sports desk. For... Rob, well, we're back in our sports desk where we talk about our play of the week, our foul of the week and our player of the week before we give this a score. Rob, play of the week.
1: Dave, I'm going to go with the use of CGI in quirky ways, like giving the characters longer arms or the scene where the imposter, Doctor and Donna, get squashed together and basically block the entire walkway. You know, while basic on some levels, the integration of the effects looked realistic and it was fun and it added to the weirdness of what was going on. So I've got to go with the CGI in this episode. That's a
0: really good call because I see that this this looks epic and it absolutely did my play of the week is the scene where we first discover that there are duplicates mm-hmm. and we have the conversation between the doctor and donna in the yellow room and that's all very nice and I'm like, okay this is a nice little scene then there's a scene with the doctor and donna in the blue room and i'm like oh have we just flashed forward
1: yeah oh yep. no,
0: no we're flashing oh yeah what's happening <laughs> something's going on here and now donna's Donna's acting a bit weird and the doctor's acting... And that just was a very, very, very wonderful way of letting the audience slowly work out that something's wrong and then slowly work out exactly what is wrong. Yeah. And I thought that was just so well done.
1: Yeah, very good.
0: Uh, I'll keep us going with our foul of the week. and I've simply written down here on my notes the word teeth. Um, (laughs) I I I... I didn't think that we needed these things to suddenly get fangs to work out that they were the baddies or that they're a little bit monstrous. I, I think mm. that the the way that Tate and Tennant were playing this was so good and the way the script was doing it was so good that that, that sort of going down to, well, kind of, you know, we need a monster moment, so now they've got fangs. Um, and, and some of that other sort of stuff they did just wasn't, in line with everything else they were doing and just just wasn't necessary um but look the fact that i'm reaching there for my fail of the week perhaps shows how well i thought this was made
1: well coming a week after how do we know the meep's evil oh it's got fangs now yeah uh, you know maybe it's a valid uh, criticism
0: <laughs> what was your foul, rob
1: dave there's very little i can pick up on this week and be like oh come on you know, but if, if you pressed me, I'm going to go back to the word of the week and say we're halfway through, say it with me, the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who. And it doesn't really feel like celebratory episodes. They just feel like decent episodes of the show. This one in particular felt very decent.
0: True. Very, very true. Which brings to your player of the week, Rob. Who was the most important part of the team
1: this week? The MVP, Dave. I'm going to go with Tom Kingsley, the director. I think if you're given a two-hander on a spaceship and it all looks a bit samey, you might go, Ugh, I finally get to do Doctor Who and there's not much to it. But... But Kingsley made this look interesting throughout. He worked the CGI content into the practical sets quite seamlessly. It looked good, and it could have been bad in the wrong hands. I mean, this could have been Terminus, Dave.
0: Yes, that's so true. <laughs> How about you? Look, I... The, 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 mm, yeah, mm, yes. There were there were moments where I almost was going to cheat here and just put down the team. You know, <laughs> but but that, that, that would have been cheating. Um, I did contemplate a number of people, there was that moment where I was almost going to give it to Catherine Tate. I thought that moment when she thought she was about to die was very, very good. But I, I have to give it to David Tennant. Mm-hmm. He is a remarkably good actor, and the level of subtlety to his performance was just absolutely gripping, absolutely amazing. I've I've said for many years now that a lot of Tennant's performances outside of Doctor Who, his, his dramatic performances, and particularly when he's playing wicked and evil he's mm. just extraordinarily good and this gave us a bit of a taste of that um i'm, I'm also enjoying the way that the 14th doctor is not the 10th doctor uh, i'm i was waiting for him to start you know that, after the TARDIS left and that opened the door I was Ooh, we're a spaceship. and that didn't happen yeah. um so look yeah look in a, in a in a field of greats i thought David Tennant got the chocolates for me, which brings us to a score, Rob. Last week we gave the Star Beast a B and a seven. What are you giving it this week?
1: Oh, look, Dave. I think I've said it all about the episode, so I won't. I won't belabor it. For a score, I'm going with eight and a half out of ten.
0: Excellent. So definitely in a step up from last week. Absolutely. I'm going for an A. Yep. It is very, very possible that this is an episode like Midnight where the more I watch it, the more I appreciate what it does every time, and it works its way to an A+. The big question for me is, will this sort of stand up to multiple repeated viewings? Uh, When you know, for example, what's going on in that first scene where you see the duplicates, does it have the same level of tension? When you know which one is the real Doctor and which one's the real Donna, do those scenes have the same level of tension? They might, because Midnight mm-hmm. still works, even yep. when you know you, you, you know what's going to happen. Um, this might too, and it could be that, as I say, after I come back in a few years, having watched this a few times, it, 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 it gets to A plus territory, but it's at least an a
1: Yeah, this is an episode I'm very happy to re-watch probably within the next 24 hours with, with my wife. Whereas the first episode, the first special, I was like, eh, if I don't see this again, I don't care.
0: And, and, and that to me, I think... Is the big difference. The Star Beast, I enjoyed it. It was great. It filled out an hour of my life. I'm, I'm not going to go back to the Star Beast very often at all, uh, if ever, um, just because there's so much happening in the world these days. Whereas this is one that I can see myself going, I want to go back and see how that works again. Yeah. I want to watch that one again. So, yeah, definitely a step up. We're doing very, very well. Uh, once again, there was no Next Time trailer as part of Disney Plus's display but I did go and find it on YouTube Mm -hmm. and I think the next time trailer for next week tells us exactly what we're going to get we're going to get well we're going to get the doctor and the toy maker doing doctor and toy maker (laughs) stuff and um I, I don't think anybody's going to be shocked it's going to be a well well is it going to be a big RTD style season finale even though the season's been three episodes we'll find out
1: yeah a lot of questions
0: a lot of questions but look we'll be back to do that hot take next week Uh, as we've discussed before we will also come back at some point to do a look back at all three specials as a collection and that's when we will include all of our listener feedback as we've said before we like to keep our hot takes to about half an hour and to do that with listener feedback just isn't possible so we will do listener feedback we will do a look back to the whole thing but this is just a hot take it's been great it's been fun rob i'll leave you to go get this out we'll be back in a week
1: with the giggle the giggle. Yeah. See you then, Dave. See you then, Rob. Bye. Bye bye.